This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And good morning. It is the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Robbie Lane sitting in the chair for Frank Proctor, and he told me I have to be very laid back. Well, you can dance. Oh, can I dance? <laughs> when, the, when the music's happening. Yeah. All right. Well, when the music's happening, I will. So Nobody can see that. why did he tell you to be laid back? What do you mean? He said that um, sometimes I was overshadowing uh, a little uh, bit, stepping on your lines. No. Yeah. He said that. He said that. He's he said, been trying to take over. He's been shaking his finger at me for weeks. <laughs> he's been trying to take over this show since we started doing it together. <laughs> yeah. He called, refers to himself as the co-host now. It's like, Yeah, no. it used to be the sous chef. It's still the sous chef. It's going to be the sous sous chef pretty Soon. Yeah, because he's got to be careful. He sure does. Yeah. Hey, Frank and Diane, I uh, hope you're doing well out there. Send lots yeah, of love out to you, too. That's right. And well, welcome, Robbie. It's oh, always nice you. to have you here. Nice to have you here, too, always. Oh, yeah, it was a bit, bit tough getting here, it actually. Was. yes. Anybody who's driving in the area of the um, exhibition place, don't. <laughs> yeah, just stay away. Yeah, ride your bikes, we, walk. We had to be and here, drive. So. <laughs> I considered walking. It might have been faster. We uh, we would like you to call in today. If you have a question for Charlie, we'd like you to keep it to one if you can. Mm-hmm. And call early and call often. The phone numbers are 416-360-0740 and toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And Charlie, before we take a call, you've yes. got something to say. I always have a few announcements, so we'll just... Uh, Get everybody with their calendars out, things to mark on your calendar, special events. Uh, the Lakefield Antique and Flower Show and Sale is being held on August the – actually, interesting, Wednesday, August 7th, so this coming Wednesday, and Thursday, August 8th. So Wednesday, it's 10 until 7. Thursday, it is 10 until 5. There's a flower show. There's all kinds of stuff on sale, food, plants, antiques, just – all kinds of crazy stuff. Lakefield Smith Community Center, of course, just north of Peterborough. Admission is $5. Um, all right. Now, there's a special event next Saturday. Sheridan Nurseries is hosting their their own special 100th anniversary open house at the Gwen, Glen Williams Farm in Georgetown. This is the first time that members of the public have been invited to tour the farm, learn about the latest growing techniques, watch the planting demonstrations, and participate with interactive displays, as well as a delicious free barbecue. Ooh. Can't go wrong. Okay, I'm uh, there. Yeah, I was going to say, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Next Saturday, there will be bus transport from the local Sheridan Nurseries Garden Centers for a small fee. So talk to the people at your local garden center or check on the web, Sheridan nurseries.com slash events. 
Now, next Sunday, this is, again, all kinds of special things. This is kind of in your neighborhood. The Toronto Japanese Garden Club presents the 35th annual Nature's Beauty Show. It's at the Mornichi Senior Center, which is 3555 Kingston Road in Scarborough. It's from noon until 4.30 p.m., a week tomorrow, next Sunday, you can immerse yourself in incredible displays of ikebana, which is Japanese flower arranging, bonsai, and miniature gardens. So little miniature worlds. Oh, I've I, seen those. I yeah. love those. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's so cool. There's so much work to do those. No kidding. Very time-consuming, very detailed, yeah. and very, you know, carefully done. Every little bit matters, yeah. right? You, you prune the wrong branch, and that's it. Yep. You're toast. You're going to start that's again. That's what happens in life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are demonstrations at both 2 and 3 p.m., and this will teach you a little bit about the art of ikebana or bonsai if you're interested. Of course, there's a tea room, and it opens right away at 12 noon, and there are plants and flowers for sale. So that's $5 a person. Sounds good. So a couple more things to put on your uh, calendar. Now, this one is for Saturday, August 17th, so two weeks from today. Yeah. I announced this last year, and some people went and had a really good time at the Landscape Ontario Open House. It's the Trial Gardens Open House. A trial, gardens is, are, trial Gardens are where plants are trialed. Yeah. <laughs> they are tested. There are trial gardens all over the world, but in terms of North America and the plants we grow, this is particularly annual flowers, vegetables, sometimes things like roses and perennials as well. They're trialed, whether it's in California or Texas or Guelph or in this case of Landscape Ontario in Milton. They're, they're planted and they're tra- everything is tracked. The, every plant is treated the same, water, fertilizer, pruning, deadheading, it's all kept track of. All the information comes together into one central hub, and then certain decisions are made about moving forward on certain plants. So most gardens are trialing the same plants. Oh. It's pretty interesting. It is interesting. Yeah, it's a way of just testing. two weeks today. Two weeks today from 10 until 3 p.m. It's, like I said, it's an open house of the trial gardens at Landscape Ontario, which is in Milton on 5th Line South. Crazy address 7856. Fifth Line South, but again, easy to find out where they are. Just Google LandscapeOntario.com, and there's a map and how to get there, and it's pretty neat. Over 800 roses are going to be there, of course. Over 300 different bedding plants, annuals and perennials, and there's an evaluation as well for vegetables for small urban spaces, so miniature vegetables. Sounds really good. It's neat, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's fun. You can see and touch and feel and taste and do it all. That sounds very good all to me. All free. I like see, seeing and feeling and touching. That's <laughs> and part the, of my and life. Tasting. <laughs> and tasting. tasting. <laughs> all right. All right. So we got, uh, we're going to take a little break, mm-hmm. and then we'll come back with our first call, and that would be Claudia mm-hmm. calling in from Scarborough, and we've got a couple of others waiting, so we'll be back to do that and lots more. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And good morning. And Charlie's waiting here. We've got two or three callers on the line. Let me just throw out the numbers one more time before we talk to Claudia. 416-360-0740 or 1-866-740-4740. And Claudia, (laughs) uh, good morning to you. Good morning, Claudia. 
Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Frank. Yes, Rob. I tried with all my might this morning to come onto the show. As, and, to the, and to be the first one, as last week I was knocked off a couple of I times. No, so welcome. I'm glad you <laughs> and got through. And the time it was the end of the show, but uh, I was promised that I would be put on today. <laughs> but anyway, I'm talking to you about uh, my call to you a couple of months back about the sugar palm. But you corrected me and told me it was a sago palm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember. Yes, I do. Uh, well, uh, I followed all your instructions and transferred it from a no-hole pot to a drainage hole pot. Good. And it's doing fine. Excellent. A uh, couple of weeks later, I noticed a long stem curled at the top, and I thought it was a worm with little legs. <laughs> <laughs> but later, uh, a few days later, I noticed it was a new leaf. Mm-hmm. And now I have... Three new leaves coming through. Excellent. Thank you very much, Excellent. Charlie. <laughs> uh, I have one little question, and that's about uh, a little yellow mushrooms coming up out of, uh, up out of the soil of the pot. Mm. Why is that? Well, what, whenever we see mushrooms growing outside or even inside in our pots uh, in the soil, it means that there is something organic that is dead, and being decomposed by a fungus. And the little mushroom is just the indication that there's fungus in the soil and the fungus is doing its job and it's breaking down. There's probably little pieces of wood in the potting mix that you use, which is good. You want it a nice, a good chunky soil. Well-drained is important when it comes to something like the sago palm. And uh, so, all right, if you're seeing uh, little mushrooms growing, as soon as you see them grow up, I would just use the tip of a pencil and break off what you're seeing. The little toadstool, if you will. Yes. Uh, And recognize that uh, you may be keeping it a little too moist um, because that is usually a giveaway as well. When the soil is constantly moist, we do find that we'll have um, fungal growth really, really happy. Now, sagos do like to be kept moist, um, particularly in the spring and summer, which is what you've been doing. But remember, as winter is coming, you will need to reduce your watering a bit. As the days get shorter and everything gets cooler, plants slow down. So when you reduce your watering, you will find that that, those little mushrooms won't show up. Oh, great. Thank you. All the other plants are doing fine because I listen to your show every week. (laughs) Excellent. Oh, thanks so much for calling. Glad for the update. Yeah, thank thank you. you. uh, I'm glad you got through, Claudia. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's great. Very nice woman. She's very nice, and she insists on calling you Frank. Yeah, I know, but that's okay. I'll just call her Ruth. <laughs> so, the, Robbie Lane is joining me today. Frank is not with us. He's back in St. Catharines with Di. Yep. And uh, Robbie is a um, neophyte gardener, except he's got a big property. How, yeah. how, how are things going? Uh, things are going well. Of course, we've had so much rain. Mm-hmm. The weeds have been taking over. But the Jurassic finally, Park weeds. <laughs> yes. I finally got lo- most of them cleared out of the oh, way. Oh, good. And, uh, but everything is... Looking really good. It's very green this year. Very green. And the thing is, even if you don't have time to pull every weed, if you can just make sure you don't let your weeds go to flower. Yes. Right? Yes. Because remember, one weed becomes 60,000 weeds. So, you know, if nothing else, get out your whippersnipper and take the tops off the weeds and then get back to pulling them later. Well, I'm kind of lucky because uh, I used to teach English as a second language. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the students that I had back in those days, I've kept very close Mm -hmm. to. And two of them live very close to me. And they've always said... You call, we'll be there. Uh-huh. 
So I called and said, I'm having a weed problem. Oh, and they came over and whipped those weeds out of there so fast. Excellent. They're 22. Oh, yeah. They've got, they don't need Sierra Silk. I was going to say, they don't, they're like zinging around on their hands they and were. knees. And they yeah. Well, and, and the other thing is with all the moisture in the soil, yeah. it's, it's not that hard to get the weeds out. Exactly. Right? A little bit of loosening, even with a screwdriver, a little well, loosening and they pop right out. I actually watered down uh, because it hadn't rained for about a day and a half at that point. I took the hose and watered down all where the weeds were so they were nice and loose for oh, them. aren't you sweet. Well, you know, want <laughs> to make it easy. <laughs> Good stuff. Whitby. Uh, and uh, no, we're going to go to John. Are we? Okay, because she's been waiting. Look at how long she's been waiting. Well, it's the numbers that, so. that are the, the Okay, John, uh, you're calling from Mississauga, <laughs> and you've got something. You've got a problem with clover, I think. Good oh. morning, John. Well, I won't call you Frank. I'll call you Robbie. Good morning, Rob. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Good morning. John. Um, yes, I... Uh, even my neighbor, actually my neighbor is even worse than me, um, he has huge patches of clover. Mm-hmm. Actually, he's even uh, surrounded, I don't know, he put some uh, thing around it so they won't spread. Um, what is it, Charlie, and uh, what can we do about it to um, get rid of it? Now, this is clover growing in the lawn, I assume. Yes, All right. yes. So, uh, okay. Personally, I'm not opposed to clover in the lawn. Some people are because it's not a grass. Mm-hmm. It is clearly, uh, it's actually a member of the legume family. So it's, the leaves are round like a, a pea flower. Uh, uh, sorry, the leaves are like a pea leaf. And they do get the little white clover flowers, which I might point out the bees totally love. And we do, we're doing everything in our power to support the bees. Uh, the good thing about clover is that it, being a member of the legume family, You never need to fertilize it. It's able to take its own nitrogen right out of the air and use it itself for growing. Plus, it has a very deep taproot. So if this was a normal July and August and summer in the city, we would be having very parched gardens and parched lawns right now, yellow lawns everywhere. And the only one of the few things that would be green right now would be the clover because of that deep taproot. However... If you want to get rid of it, which I, I understand, you know, some people do. I, like I said, let it grow. I let it grow in my, my lawn. Uh, you will have to go in there, like I said, even if it's a big, long screwdriver, and you have to pull those plants out, tap all the taproot and all. Like, there's no, there's no other way to get them out of there. Uh-huh. Um, the sooner you get on it, the better. You'll find that any one plant is actually quite large, and so it's probably not even that many plants because they really spread. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember uh, when I was in... For Frank, a few weeks ago, someone called mm-hmm. about clover, and you said to them, you know, if you look at last summer, the way it was parked mm-hmm. and the grass was dying, yeah. the clover didn't. So right. at least you had green, green out that's there. That's right. That's right. Yeah, so well, sometimes it's okay to leave it alone. So we leave them alone, is it? Well, keep in mind that it, it is not a grass, and it will never look like a grass. Well, and that's why. You know I mean? Yeah. I'm so fussy about my grass. <laughs> and, then, and, and to tell you, too, child... I even see them um, near my shrubs. You know, it actually it's different green. It's dark green, mm-hmm. and and I, you know, I, I uh, how to call it? I turn the soil to get rid of them, but then. A week later, they're up again. Yeah. Well, remember, once they flower, they will, you know, spread some seeds around and more clover will come up. So stay on the lawn mowing to keep the flowers down. But you can pull them. But you will need to get roots and all. Otherwise, they'll grow right back. So, yes, if you just sort of break off a few stems, no big deal. It'll just keep growing. So you're going to need to get in there and pull them 
the entire plant. I have enough work without that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a good reason to leave okay. the clover alone. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> okay. Guys. okay, Robbie. Have, uh, a good, have a good long weekend. You too. Thanks, Thanks for calling, Thank John. Bye-bye. Thanks for your call, John. <laughs> um, Charlie, if I sort of seem a little bit mm. out of it today, yeah, what's I was going on? at Casino Rama till about midnight last night, so I got home around one thirty-two. Oh. So I'm a not little bit, a lot of sleep. Not a lot of sleep. There was a big show up there last night, and Marilyn and I wanted to see it, so we went. Oh, I thought you were going to say you were gambling. No, I don't. Uh, it was called the Happy Together Tour, uh-huh. and it assembled five different acts from the '60s: Gary Puckett and the Union Gap, long before your time. No, Charlie. no, no. I remember uh, Gary Lewis and the Playboys. <laughs> Um, lead singer from Paul Revere and the Raiders, uh, one of the guys from Three Dog Night, uh-huh. and uh, the Turtles oh. singing Happy Together, and it's their tour. <laughs> so the whole audience, it was packed, and um, everybody, was singing along. everybody was singing along, and nobody was drunk. Really? Yeah, not that I could see. <laughs> Did you have to be drunk to, to sing along to Well, that? no, but, you know, sometimes, think those yeah. Things and people danced up in front of the stage. It was kind of cool. Great. And yeah. it was all a bunch of old farts. I mean, um, uh, people of a certain Mature age. rock and rollers. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> Mature, I love it. Mature rock and rollers dancing. Yes. Shaking their booties up yes, at the stage. Yes, it was well, good fun. For you. And it was fun. It was fun. It was yeah. that much fun. You stayed out till midnight. Yeah, I didn't get home till one thirty. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well. But I knew I had to be here with yeah, you, Charlie. Yeah, but you so. just, you don't, I wouldn't have known that. You no. look fresh and well, it's quite the, sparkly. Well, I took a few bennies. <laughs> <laughs> that explains it. Yeah. You aged rock and roller, you. I mean, uh, mature. <laughs> yes. All right, I think we're, we're going to talk to Ruth and Whitby. Ruth is calling in from Whitby. Good morning, Ruth. Oh, she's there. Hi, good morning, Ruth. Good. I enjoy your music. Oh, thank you. And uh, it's nice to have you on the show, and Frank's on, away on vacation or whatever. Yeah. Charlie, good morning. Good morning. Um, yes, I missed part of last week's show, and I think you were talking about hydrangeas. Mm-hmm. But anyway... We have a hydrangea, and it's white, mm-hmm. which is all right, but I've seen pink ones. How mm-hmm. do I get a pink one? You'll have to buy <clears throat> excuse me, buy a new one, buy a different one. And the, will the, it stay pink through, you know, a year after year? Yep, it should, particularly here in Ontario. Our natural soils are composed of limestone, and a lime-based soil will lead to pink hydrangeas versus a peat-based soil, which will lead to blue or purple hydrangeas. Okay. But the white ones are white. They're no, they're no other color but white. The white ones are typically called an Annabelle hydrangea or the newer varieties. There's one called Incredible. The flowers are supposed to be the size of a soccer ball. Yes, you ma- I remember you mentioned those before. So those are white, though. They're always white. So if you want to get a nice pink one, uh, the, there's a whole series out there called the Endless Summer Series. Uh-huh. And you just go to your local garden center and you look for hydrangea, Endless Summer, and then you'll be good to go. Pink flowers every year. Okay, and so it stays pink. And mm-hmm. I thought I heard, uh, I, as I said, I missed part of the show last week. Mm-hmm. I thought I heard someone saying that you take the needles from uh, Alberta spruce trees and put them around the base of the hydrangea. Is that right? If you want to encourage more of a purple or a blue tone. Oh, so that, if we did that, but the white ones still won't change. No, the white ones won't change. And also the idea was to mulch. Or, like his, Hydrangeas love to have mulch 
on the soil at their base yeah. because hydrangeas love to be moist. Okay. And that's what mulch does. It keeps the soil cool and moist. Right. And that's a, they're an important plant to always mulch if you can. So they're in a fairly sunny location, but with that mulch around the, the base, it keeps them cool at the base. And uh, if you want to encourage the purple or blue tones, then the best mulch to use is something like pine needles or spruce needles or, you know, the, the woman, whoever it was who I spoke speaking to last week, here I'm just looking, it was, I believe, Melanie who called and we were talking about colors of hydrangeas and she said she had a blue spruce or something on the property and I said, oh yeah, yeah, just take some of those needles, put them around the base of the hydrangea, lower the pH and see the color change on the flowers. Yeah. Okay, yeah, we pink, have a whole no. row of uh, al- uh, blue spruce all along the edge of our property, mm-hmm. over 20 of them. Mm-hmm. So we've got nice. lots of them. But but you want pink flowers. I want, well, I'll take blue. Um, yeah, I yeah, like blue too. Mauve, so, yeah. But I just would like something other than the white or besides the white. Sure. I'll, I'd like to get another. Good idea. Okay, there there you go. Grab a hydrangea, endless summer, and then perfect. Mulch with some of the, the blue spruce needles. Okay, that's great. Thank and you Ruth, so thank, much. And uh, Ruth, have a thank wonderful you so much. holiday weekend, the two of you. Thank yeah, you. thank you. And thank you for that nice comment about our music. Yes, uh, I do enjoy. I do enjoy it, I, and I really like it when you fill in for someone else on the on AM seven hundred and forty. Send I a letter to my boss. <laughs> I was going to say, wait, <laughs> wait. always nice to hear you, Robbie. Thank you so much. See you, thank you. Thanks a lot, Ruth. Have a great weekend. Now, remember, this sh- show is podcast. Yes. So if you miss the show, you can always re-listen on the website. And I'm saying that for you because you can pull that little clip off yeah. the show and use that on your next uh, audio resume. That you're, That's right. Your I MP3 can. resume. Yeah. And I can just keep looping it. So I was going to say, and, and Ruth <laughs> did a good job. Would you, what did that cost? <laughs> well, I don't know. The check's in the mail. My, I mailed it early this morning. I was tired. I don't know how much it was. Um, we got more calls. Uh-huh. I, uh, and uh, But before we take a call, we're going to take a little break. And okay. be right back with more. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And good morning. We are back with Charlie Dobbin and uh, and Robbie Lane. Yes, and Robbie Lane. And yes. we, it's great when we're when the commercials are running because Charlie and I get a chance to dig the dirt. <laughs> I mean, not the dirt in the ground, but <laughs> just the other know. dirt. That's right. Get down yeah. and dirty. That's good. I like. There that. we are. All right. So we've got Larry who is calling in from Toronto. Good morning, Larry. How are you doing? Good. Good. Yeah, oh, it's nice to hear your voice. I, I hear you going on the car show next, Robbie. The car show. No, I'm not doing the car show. Those guys oh, no. are too, way okay. too crazy for me. Anyway, I, I live in the same house out in High Park and Bloor. In the last two years, I've been uh, planting impatience, mm-hmm. and I'm losing them. Mm-hmm. I even bought them in in the bags with the soil and everything. Oh, my. Can you tell me about it? Yeah, there's... Um, basically, we're all going to avoid impatience for the next five years, and it's not your fault. It is an actual uh, fungus called downy mildew. It is in the soil, oh. and once it's in the soil, the plants collapse. I see. Now, that's the regular impatience. Sunshine or New Guinea impatience are completely uh, resistant to that particular fungus. So uh, we're not seeing as many impatients this year because there was fewer being grown by the growers, fewer being sold by the retailers after last year because there was a big collapse even last year. It's been a very big problem. It started in England about six years ago, and it's been slowly kind of expanding across the world, this uh, downy mildew thing. Now, replacements for next year, think about begonia 
and think yeah. about coleus because both begonias and coleus will give you lots of color in the same shady conditions and moist conditions that uh, the impatients always loved. Oh, great. Okay. That's great. Okay, so it'll be about five years before That's the right. impatients get back again. Yeah, because we assume that this, this particular, those spores will stay active in the soil for up to five years, so wow. that's why we're all just going to avoid planting I'm any impatience. I've been in the same house here in High Park for 72 years, born here, Wow! and I've always had impatience in my rockery yeah. and so on. You're missing them. So, uh, but they're very colorful and uh, mm-hmm. with, uh, they do very well in the shade and mm-hmm. that. Well, like okay. I say, uh, think about begonias for next year. Begonias. And, of course, there's different kinds of begonias. There's the little fibrous, rooted ones with small flowers, and then there's the big showy flowers from the tuberous begonias. So right. either of those you could uh, put into the rock garden, little pockets. They're, they're perfect for planting. Well, that's perfect. Hey, listen, I just wanted to ask you this one quick question. Is Robbie singing to you at all? Um, <clears throat> we'd rather not talk about that, Larry. <laughs> that's a really good point. Well, I'm going to get him on that next We'll commercial. be over for lunch a little bit later, and we'll sing to you. Okay, thank you. Uh, <laughs> all right, I really thanks. enjoy your show. Thank thanks you so for your much. Call. Okay, thank you. Bye now. Bye-bye. Wow. Bye-bye, Larry. He was born in that house. Yes. Same house for 72 years. I, I, like, I like that. I love There's that. There's so much history there. I know. I bet she's got an amazing house. I bet he does. Well, in Hyde see. Park, yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's the phone back. numbers, once again, are 416-360-0740 and one 740 And I think Gregory is calling in from Hamilton, Ontario, and we say good morning to you, Gregory. How are you doing? I'm very well. Good morning to you both. Happy long weekend. Thank, thank you. you so much. Charlie's here for your question. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you very much. Uh, second time that I've called in. The reason why I'm calling Charlie is I have a blood good Japanese maple tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm five years old, mm-hmm. but the back part of the tree has lost its leaves. I was told not to cut it because obviously the wind and the, the tree keeps its form. Hopefully those leaves grow back next year. Um, the reason for the call is fertilizing. I've tried to keep it watered. Some people say that's the reason why the leaves didn't grow. But do I, I've fertilized with a 30, I think a 10-10 fertilizer throughout the year, not too often. Mm-hmm. I know last week you said stop fertilizing mm-hmm. at yep. the end of July. Yep. But as a tree itself, do I fertilize maybe in the fall? And, do, and how often do I water from here on into the wintertime? Okay, these are great questions. Um, first off... If you were going to fertilize, say, in September, which you could do late September, the reason you would do that is for the plant to be able to access that fertilizer next spring. Okay. Any fertilizer that we do not fertilize through the month of August or the month of September. But if, you, like I say, you want to fertilize at the end of September, the idea is that that fertilizer will be there in the spring, which means you will not do a lot of fertilizing in the early spring because then you would be double fertilizing. Correct. All right. So one or the other. That, but stop, cease and desist all fertilizer on all perennial plants, trees being a perennial woody plant. Now, um, just let's go discuss this idea of, you said one side never leafed out at all this year. Okay, hey, uh, I really don't know what side I'm facing, but the front side of the tree, mm-hmm. I'm definitely in a, a very sun-exposed area mm-hmm. um, all day. Uh, high sun. And that so was... the front part of the tree mm-hmm. is very well littered with leaves, mm-hmm. but the back one branch, uh, and the same thing happened last year, but I cut off the branch. Mm-hmm. I was told not to cut off the branch because it will lose the tree's symmetry. Right. That's the right word. But if, well, and the form is, yeah, you're right. But but is the, the branch that has no leaves on it, is it gray and dry and wrinkly? Not at all. Oh, okay. 
Not at all. It just it's, it looks healthy, but zero leaves no on it. No leaves, and and you're not sure what direction that's facing in terms of the north or the south or anything like that, eh? I would think it's more so westish, northwest, right now, uh, yeah, southwest, northwest. I wouldn't be surprised. You know why? Because and you're in Hamilton, the the prevailing wind in the winter, particularly, is from the northwest all across southern Ontario, which is that cold, cold winter wind. And plants that are a little bit on the tender side will always suffer on the northwest side because that's where they get blasted by that wind. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little bit of that going on from last winter that the plant just was chilled, etc., and didn't leaf out. Now, when a whole branch doesn't leaf out and we're well into August, I get a little worried that the branch isn't alive. And what I would be inclined to do would be, even now, would be to just take off like an inch off the tip of whatever, the, either there's just one branch or one branch with multi-little branches coming off of it, one inch off of all those tips to try and force growth on that branch because you really do want it to grow. It, it, if it's not growing now, it's unlikely to grow in the future. Okay. All right. Well, All right. thank you for that. And watering? Watering. Just continue uh, watering? Yes, continue watering right up until the ground freezes solid. So don't put any of your hoses away until probably December. And we will, we've had good rain, however... All the, the deep-rooted plants need deep watering, and if we stop getting such good rain, we will be out there with our, you know, multi-gallons of water every single week mm-hmm. on all of our trees and shrubs and roses and vines, etc. So deep watering, you know, slow trickle on the hose if we go for a couple of days without any rain. I thank you very okay. much. And I thank you for your call. Good luck with that. I thank you. To you both have again. Have a nice long weekend. And Thanks, you. Gregory. Take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, it's interesting. Every time something comes along, every time I'm here, something I never even thought of. I never, didn't think about that northwest wind mm. in the wintertime. It's cool. Maybe that's what happened to my wife when I tied her to the tree. She was facing <laughs> that northwest. <laughs> Froze or Frozen. Off. Yeah, that's probably well, what happened. Well, you know, but that's Japanese maples are the kind of plant that will often locate them in an area where they won't get blasted by the northwest yes. wind. Yeah. We'll locate them on the east side of the house or the southeast side. Maybe not so much south because a lot of the Japanese maples don't want intense sun, but a little bit of shade, and that's where that east comes in because that's right. that morning sun and soft, um, you know, soft morning sun as opposed to harsh afternoon sun. All right. Well, we've got to take a little break, right. and then we've got Vivian calling in from Burlington. We'll talk to her next, but we've got to do this first. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And it is The Garden Show, and thank you, James Patrick Dooley, for playing the very first single I ever recorded. (laughs) That was good, really. That was the very first single. Yes. When did you record that? I was in daycare. Yeah, I bet. It was 1964. Barely born. (laughs) Wow. How cool is that? It is cool. Thank you, James. There'll be something under the tree for you. Go on, brother. (laughs) All right, uh, uh, Crabgrass, Vivian. Vivian is calling in from Burlington. And be, uh, Vivian, I just want to say good morning to you. Are you there, Vivian? Good morning, Vivian. Morning. Good morning, Charlie. 
and your second sous chef. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I have a problem with crabgrass. Mm-hmm. My front lawn has got about ten big patches of mm. it. Hmm. Okay. What can I do? You know what's the best thing you can do, and it might be hard for you to do it, but perhaps you could hire somebody to do it, would be to pull out the crabgrass. All it's, of it? Yeah, it's very easy to pull out. The, the roots only go down about a half an inch. Uh-huh. It's very shallow-rooted, and it grows in clumps. So, again, it's one of those things where it looks like there's about a 1,000 plants, and yet there's probably only about 10 plants in any one of those clumps that you're looking at. If, uh, but it is a matter of getting down on the hands and knees, lifting up the leaves with a, a, a tool, a trowel, loosening the soil, popping it out, and there, all of a sudden, you just, you know, took out about, you know, two square feet of plant with one pull. Now, the reason we want to get those out of the ground now is because they are going to start flowering in the next three to four weeks. They're starting to set seed now, and those little seeds will ripen, and they beautifully disperse 60,000 seeds per plant. Wow. And then the plant dies in the winter. But all the seeds will sit there and wait until spring, and then they'll grow. So you won't have any crabgrass there come spring. It'll be just an empty spot. All that crabgrass will die if you don't pull it out. It is an annual plant. But mm-hmm. the seeds will survive, and that's the trick. Is to And it, even if you mow it, it's a very smart plant. It lays right down flat on the ground. So there's no way you can mow off those seed heads. They don't stand up. They, they're prostate right down. Yep. I, I notice, though, whenever they mow it, Mm-hmm. for me, mm-hmm. uh, that uh, it just looks like a, a slightly different color mm-hmm. of green. Exactly. It's a and, lighter uh, green. Yeah. And it still looks like the lawn. <laughs> but it <laughs> is... what a, I mean. Yeah, no, it, and it is a little bit different color, and it grows a little bit differently, and you'll see, and it'll start to turn purple, not what now, a couple of weeks. And yeah. What s- happens if I don't get uh, someone in and ignore it for this season? What will happen then? Well, what you could do next spring is you can use a fertilizer that will have written right on the bag, crabgrass control. A Scots makes a turf builder with crabgrass control. So it's a regular lawn fertilizer mixed with corn gluten meal. And corn gluten meal is a byproduct of the corn industry, but it stops seeds from growing. So you put that out on the lawn next spring, you feed your existing lawn that's there, but you inhibit the growth of any seeds. So that's the one way to get around it, is stop the crabgrass from growing next spring by putting out that crabgrass control fertilizer in the spring. Oh, that's a good idea. Maybe that's what I'll do. All right. Because uh, there's so many other things uh, needing attention, Uh, you know. uh, know uh, at the, po- at the moment, yeah. on the property. So uh, maybe that's what I'll do. And um, thank you so much oh, for your kind thoughts. Very, uh, our pleasure. Have a great weekend, Vivian. Yeah. Have a good one, Vivian. Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, the one, and of course, the, the next point to there being no grass there in the spring, but lots of seeds. Yeah thousands and thousands of seeds waiting to grow and then putting out that corn gluten meal not allowing those seeds to grow you still have a bear patch there yes right so what are you going to do with that bear patch you can't go out there with your good grass seed because that corn gluten will stop all seeds from growing 
Oh. Right? Mm-hmm. So you've well, got you bad crabgrass seeds you don't want to grow, but then you've got good grass seeds you do want to grow and you can't win. AstroTurf? That... <laughs> <laughs> well, just regular sod would work. <laughs> yeah. If you could afford and take the time to patch with sod, assuming it's a sunny location where this uh, crabgrass is growing, sod works well. It doesn't, yeah. It's not inhibited at all. But, yeah, that's the challenge with these inhibitors, these you know seed yes. germination doesn't inhibitors. doesn't just inhibit the crabgrass. We wish. Yeah. We wish it could differentiate, but yeah. it can't. All right. It looks like we've got uh, Evelyn on the line, and she doesn't want to tell us where she's from. Good morning, Evelyn. (laughs) Morning. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. morning. Thank you for calling, and uh, Charlie Dobbin is here for you. Thank you. Um, My poor little African violet has a very sad story. I grew it from a leaf. Yes, Mm, I did. Nice. And it was growing very nicely last Christmas, and then a decoration fell on it. And it it knocked off the mother leaf. Now, the other little leaves, they were about a quarter inch across. Mm -hmm. And they were, you know, they stayed just, they stayed exactly like that Mm -hmm. until now, about a couple of weeks ago. And they didn't, you know, get bigger. It didn't get smaller or anything. They they looked healthy, but Mm -hmm. they weren't moving. Tiny. And all of a sudden, now they've turned yellow. Some of them have turned yellow. Any hope for it? Well, it's when it's such a tiny plant like that, and you're wanting to get it going and kickstart it. It's very easy to overwater. Is it? Is the soil um, on the moist side or? No, wet? I've been very careful. Yeah. I've killed. <laughs> I've killed a number of African yeah, violets with too before with water. kindness. Yes, and I tried to, with hmm. this one to be very careful. So I don't know. So yellow. And what about sun? Has it? Have you got it in the same I spot? Put it in the, it's, uh, I face north. Okay, good. And I've yeah. had African violets in that place before, and yeah. they were doing great. And I was going to say, know, and all they, well, I think I told you before, I transplanted one mm-hmm. in the winter, which was bad. But well, I yeah, just they're... put it in the same location, which they have, African violets have done well mm-hmm. before. Yeah, north is usually perfect for African violets. But yeah. keep in mind that at this time of year, our, our, our northern windows are actually getting a lot more light than they yeah. do in the winter because that sun is, you know, setting mm-hmm. up to the northwest. Mm-hmm. And so it could be that maybe you need to just pull it away from the window a tiny bit. Because I find that my African violets also sitting in a northern window will tend to turn yellow on the window side. Uh So if I keep turning the plant around and it's a big enough plant that, you know, it greens up again when it's away from the window. And then the next side turns yellow. So it it does become, it's a bit of a sun thing. I think there's just too much light. Actually, that's what I did. I I, I had thought of that myself, actually. And I tried, I moved it to another place, but... It hasn't changed so far, but I've only moved it short. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised it hasn't grown at all in all those months, though. That you haven't seen yeah, any movement. It was really funny. It just stayed there. It didn't get bigger, smaller, stayed green. And then all of a sudden, I don't, yeah. I didn't do anything different. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it started. So I thought, like you say, this was... Uh, about a few weeks ago when the sun, of course, was coming around yeah. more. Yeah, exactly. It's not as much now. It's, uh, anyway. um, and the other thing is, have you fertilized at all? No. Okay, and the other thing is, what size pot is it in? Very small. Okay, good. Yeah, small. yeah the smaller the better. It's yeah. probably what's going on is that the, the little tiny plant, even in a little tiny pot, it feels like a monster-sized pot to the plant. Yeah. So it's still going through a process of, of getting some roots out and getting sort of stable in that, in that pot. So just continue to do what you've been doing. Very okay. careful watering. Keep it in that north window or slightly away from it, Wait turning it, yeah. every week or so. And then as, as we get into September, October, I go right back into the window yeah. with the plant. And keep it on it. I bet you what will happen is by next March, you'll <laughs> be in a position where you could actually put a little bit of fertilizer in. One of those, you know, granny's bloomers or one of those special yeah, African violet um, fertilizers. 
All right. Thank you very much. I Thanks. am not very good with violets. I think this may be my last effort. I'm just not an African violet person, I guess. Well, it's funny. Yeah, I, I managed I, to kill quite a few. I was going to say, I killed a lot. I think you have to be of a certain <laughs> age to grow African violets. It's You know, my mom is the best African violet grower in the world, but she only got good at it when she hit about 65 years old. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, prior to that, she couldn't grow them either. So, yeah. Well, you know, I think it's, it's you got to just, there's something about being the right age and then they grow for you. Well, I'm nearly 80, so. <laughs> Oh. I should be in that group right now. Another 15, 20 years, your violets will be growing up through the roof. <laughs> Thank you very much, Thanks Charlie. for your call. Always Thank listen you. to your program. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for calling. Yeah, I've killed a lot of African violets in my life, too. Well, I've never met an orchid yet that I couldn't kill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. They're, you have to be very, very careful. I uh, know. And I have just have real lacking in patience on some things. Yes. I mean, I, I like to think I'm nice to all living things, but sometimes I'm not. No. <laughs> Can you tell? I've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Frank would agree with that, too. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We, have, uh, we don't have to take a break yet. We've got Rita on the line from Milton, and uh, she's calling about doing some transplanting. So, Rita, are you there? Yes, I am. And good morning to you. And morning to you. And I have to tell you that CFR, uh, uh, no, 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 <laughs> AM740 is my... Uh, my radio of choice. Oh, good to well, hear. That's I don't nice. have television, so what do oh. I do? Yep, makes sense. Anyway, I have a yucca and two peonies that I'd like to transplant. Mm-hmm. When is the time? Well, certainly we're getting up to peony transplanting time in the next few weeks. Uh End of August is the right time to be looking at our peonies. Uh, And that is, is it just a moving thing or you actually want to divide them? They're just big and overgrown. Moving. Okay. So very simply, uh, end of August, you know where you're going to with the peonies. So prepare the area. Make sure it's a good sunny spot, well-drained, organic soil. And then it's a matter of lifting and planting at the same height or slightly higher than they are now because they will sink down a bit once they settle into the ground. Okay. Yucca, not so easy to transplant. Yucca has a taproot. And any plant with a taproot is tough to transplant. Because you you have to make sure that the entire root goes with it. Oh, my God. And it's been planted for five years, four years anyway. And this is the first year it's bloomed, and it's huge. Okay. So remember what happens with yuccas. That huge plant with the beautiful blooms is now the blooms are done. The, that huge plant dies. Once it flowers, it's bye-bye. However, baby plants all start to grow around the base. And they're very easy to transplant because they're little. But the big one is unlikely to survive through until next spring. They usually just shrivel up and turn to mush, and we don't really notice because so many other plants come up at the base. Oh, really? I've only had the one. I know, but you're soon going to have about six. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) So just keep an eye, and I think you'll probably see that in the spring. If you can wait to transplant the yuck in the spring, I think when you go out and look, you'll see where the main plant was, and you'll see a bunch of little ones, and the little ones are quite simple to move. Oh, okay. All right, and feel free to cut that that, um, flower stem off. It's done. Now, okay. Yeah, I'm assuming it's finished flowering, and it's just a big big sort of funny-looking... Yeah, it is. Flower stem. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty gnarly looking. So, yeah, feel free to cut that off. Okay. Okay. I also have a a massive problem with uh, creeping Charlie. (laughs) 
I, don't so th- I think it's kind of insulting matter, to say when that. Not it's on one. two acres. <laughs> wow, so you got acreage of Creeping Charlie? Yeah. Oh, that's a big problem. Yeah. Uh, there's something out there called Weed Be Gone. Um, you know what? If it's huge... Um, Okay, so you live on two acres. Is it an actual farm? Like, do you have access to? My pro- not my property, but all all my street is uh, gardeners. Property. Oh, okay. And is there creeping Charlie on anybody else's property? Probably. Yeah. It. You would have a hard time pulling it, but it needs to be eradicated because it will take over from the lawn. Like, I know. It kills I the keep lawn. pulling and pulling, and I I did rake at one point, and it just rolls off, mm. doesn't it? Yeah, and it will just you know flower and spread, and and it's got little stolen, so it just oh yeah, creeps. I know. That's why they call it stuff. Charlie creeps all over the place. Yeah. So. The best, I mean, early in the spring when the plants are young, remember any herbicide works better when a plant is young. Yeah. The leaves are small. The actual, what we call the cuticle or the, the surface of the leaves is very tender when they're young and um, fresh. Mm-hmm. And that is your best time to be attempting to annihilate plants when it comes to herbicides. There's something out there called Weed Be Gone, and it is designed to be used in the lawn, and it will kill broad-leafed plants that are growing in amongst the grasses. Uh-huh. It's the replacement for the old Killex that yeah, we all yeah. use you for know, many years. You know, I liked um, weed and feed. I thought it was the best stuff on the market. For sure, with big acreage like you have, that would have worked really well for you. Yeah, but we can't have it anymore, thank nope. you very much, no. government. Well, it's that 240. They just were worried about the water table, et cetera, that it was just not being uh, used properly. So, bottom line, weed be gone in a large enough quantity that you can spray it effectively in the spring, uh-huh. and you should be able to eliminate the problem. Okay, I can't use it now. I think you would be wasting your time and money. Oh, okay. 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 <laughs> Thank, Thank you, Rita. Thank you very much. Thanks. Take Have care. a good weekend. You too. <laughs> and uh, we've got to take a break. We've got a couple of more people on hold, and hopefully we can quickly get through their uh, questions for Charlie. Well, and Rita was pretty sneaky there. She was. She snuck in that extra well, question. Well, she asked two transplanting questions. And then, and then, a, then a third. third. And you let her. Well, yes, I know. I didn't want to interrupt Patrolman you. Proctor wouldn't have let that no, happen. No, I guess not. No, he writes tickets to people. He told me not to overstep, so I just <laughs> am backing off, Charlie. Okay. we got a couple more calls, and we'll take those after we do this. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And thank you, everyone, for calling in this morning. We've still got time for a couple of calls, I hope. Uh, Gloria is calling from Mississauga about a zucchini. And Gloria is a first-time caller. Oh, yes, and I don't have a bell. Okay. Ding-a-ling-a-ling, Gloria. <laughs> Welcome, Gloria. Hi. Hi. I, I, I'm trying to grow zucchini. I've been growing it for years. Mm-hmm. And my problem, I have about ten plants, and all I got were three zucchinis mm-hmm. in the last several weeks. The problem is I get these big, uh, flowers. Every morning I go out and I pollinate them myself, and yet they seem to fall off or they grow about a half an inch and die. What am I doing wrong? Uh, okay, you know what? <clears throat> it might not be you. It might be all this rain. Tell me, are the zucchini growing in a very sunny location? Yes, they are. Okay, and is your soil a fairly well-drained soil, or is it fairly soggy, or what kind of soil do you have? Well, it's clay soil, but mm-hmm. I've amended it, mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, foot down, it's clay. Right. So you're telling me it's too wet. 
I think it could be. Now, what I do when it's a clay-based soil, because I do the same thing. I garden in quite a heavy soil. I have all my vegetables in raised beds, not in the sense that I built up the beds with walls, but just that I contoured the beds so that I have, you know, hills and each row is a, is a hill and the plants are up a little bit higher. And that just helps with the drainage, I find. Okay, well, I did that last year for the zucchini uh-huh. and it kind of worked, but... Uh, better than this year, so yeah. I guess I have to go back to raising those beds. The other thing is, remember with zucchini, they grow two different kinds of flowers. So there are fe- female flowers and male flowers. And the the idea that you're pollinating them yourself is good, because if you didn't, it would be strictly relying on insects. Now, we know that all the pollination typically does take place early in the day, right around sunrise and, and right. super early. So if there, you know, if you have a goodly amount of sort of life in your garden, Insect-wise, they they could be visiting all those flowers and looking after that pollination for you. But you know, not a bad backup to go out there yourself with a little Q-tip or a paintbrush, uh, recognizing the difference between the female flowers and the male flowers. Well, I don't recognize the difference, but I go into every open flower that I can find, mm-hmm. and then you know, I hope that I've hit them all. Okay, so the one I can tell you one thing is. The um, male flowers have a little stem on the flower versus the female flowers are attached directly to the vine. So otherwise they look identical to the naked eye. All right. I'll keep an eye for that. Yeah. So good luck with that. Let us know how that turns out. Okay. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Gloria. Thank you. And Charlie, what do you think? Have Uh, we got time to talk to Joyce? Yeah. Let's talk to Joyce quickly. Joyce, you're calling from Scarborough. We've only got a minute or two, but what's going on with your tomato plant? Well, hi, Charlie. Good morning, Joyce. Um, I have only a small space in which I can have have a little garden. Mm-hmm. And year after year, I plant my, you know, four tomatoes in that <laughs> same spot. But what I do each year is I keep on adding compost, you know, and, and stuff like that. Good, yep. Now, um, last year, I on four of them, I got uh, maybe about 12 tomatoes, all told. Mm-hmm. This year, so far, I've seen about five. Mm-hmm. Now, what I've been doing is... I'm going off with a, a little Q-tip and going from flower to flower and trying to do my own <laughs> Being a little bee, yeah. Yeah, because I only, I've only seen one bumblebee to the front of the, the garden. Okay. And um, I'm just wondering, um, could it be that because I'm planting it in the same spot every year? Okay, so I'll tell you what, Joyce, thank you for your call. I'm going to have to let you go. Yes. We're going to take this up again next week of because course, we're right at the end of the show. But thanks for the question. I have it written down, and I yeah. will answer it next week at 9 a.m. And I okay. want to say thank you so much thank to you very Joyce. Much. All our callers, Robbie Lane, so nice Bye. to have you here. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you all again. Yeah, Bob Comsick's coming up with the news, and then the car guys are here, and I think they're sober. They're, <laughs> they're here. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Charlie. Next week, bye-bye. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.